Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time, it's time for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We are your hosts, Chris Schubert's here floating around producing this thing. You're from the Draft Network, and we're brought to you by Bet Online, which is always your number one source for all your sports betting needs. You can find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends over at Bet Online. They are your continued source for live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. They have all the sports. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just be sure to use our promo code BLEAV. That's B L E A V to receive your rewards. It's bet online and it's where the game starts. Kyle, happy national card playing day to you. Card playing day. Yeah. When's the last time you played a card game? Uh video is the, the, the poker game, halftime of the uh the Discord. Ah, uh, watch well along. Yeah, a little, yep. little. Yep, Very the bad. Thursday night football in the TDM Premium Discord, the poker, which is tough because you know you have about 15 to 20 minutes to play, and it totally impacts your strategy on how you want to bet and try to throw yourself around the pool. Strategy, huh? You want you want to play hands that you're dealt that you probably ideally wouldn't play otherwise, just because you know it's just going to be over in 15 minutes. So if you bust early, who cares? Joe stop. Joe doesn't have a strategy. He just plays the game and then we'll talk after he's folded. He's like, ah, I, I had this. He just says out loud what he has. He doesn't play the game. He just, he just, he just flies by the seat of his pants when he plays. You know what the best uh, card game is? Uh, scat. You guys ever played scat? That's uh, another name for animal excrement. Scat. Oh, okay. Okay, let's be oh, very careful here, gentlemen. Okay. I do not want to have to put the scat on this, this no, early. No, I'm just saying the first, <laughs> you say scat, the first thing that comes to my name is like dung out in the backyard. Now, you say scat, I've never, never associated never it with a card game. Never heard that. You, never heard of that. No. I've never, never heard of the card game scat. Oh, well, I like I've heard of the scat like man. Yeah, I never heard of You're the things. scat man? No, no clue. Anybody know the song? No, I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a scat man. No, you never heard this no, guy. Dude, you're, you're just making stuff up. <laughs> Chris, back, back me up here. I've, I've heard it. What I'm just, just happened? Me I'm just trying to keep us here in between the lines. No, here. Kyle. Maybe if you do it again, we'll it'll it'll, it'll resonate. Skibby dibby dum dum da da da. Dum da da da. Skibby dibby dum da da da. I'm a scat man. Jesus. I can't believe you've never heard of this guy. It's the most outrageous <laughs> song in the history of mankind. It sounds like it. Wow. <laughs> Go ahead and put that in the soundboard, Chris. <laughs> put the old we'll scat add, man on the soundboard. We'll, we'll add it for sure. Okay. I actually have a holiday for the both of you. Oh, wow. Okay. Happy. Today was the first day I sent my daughter to preschool in undies and not a diaper. Ooh. Day. Yeah. 
S- yeah. Send it off for them to deal with it. <laughs> so Correct. Get through those accidents. Cor- Correct. Yeah, we we sent them with a couple changes of clothes and explained the situation, and um, we'll see how it goes. All right. See how many dirt, dirty outfits I have to wash when she gets home today. Hey, we had two when we made that choice. We had it happened two times and never again. Okay. So yeah, I okay. think you're going to be all right. Madeline's a smart, smart little girl. She's going to be all. She right. is. She is. She's not a math guy though. Definitely not a math guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll check the tape. Uh, we got some Levy Grail to get to here today on the podcast. Check the tape. So wait, wait, I, uh... wait, 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 wait. <laughs> We're not moving any further because we have to talk about what just happened. Because Kyle has the soundboard up, but he doesn't know how to use it. He had the preview window up first, and he Correct. hit the he hit not a math guy because I heard it through his computer because it didn't come through the actual audio. Yeah, and then he was like, "All right, let me that. hit the live button." Yeah, I'll and go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll hit live and then hit check the tape. Yeah. Guy, guy's got a whole new toy over there that he wants to use. Doesn't know how to use it yet. Okay. I'll figure it out. Give me a college try. I, I need to figure out when these drops are happening so I don't act like there's a bomb exploding behind me because <laughs> they're loud as hell in my ears. Joe's Joe, going to be the one who poops his pants, not right. my daughter. Yeah, right. <laughs> going to leave some scat. <laughs> uh, thanks to our friends over at Bet Online for your continued support of the show. <laughs> we, we've had a podcast. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> All right, what are we checking the tape here on, boys? Miles Murphy. Ooh, Check okay. the tape on Miles Murphy. Let's start there. That sounds fun. Okay, you want to start there? Yeah. Miles um, Murphy, defensive end, Clemson. Uh, one of the few players, I think, that um, lived up to the standard that we kind of expected from them at that Clemson defense without Brent Venables this year. Uh, he's entering the NFL draft for 2023. We're expecting this is going to be a top half of the first round type of player. But the production, you know, he didn't have the leap in production that, say, like a Tyreek or Tyree Wilson had uh, over Texas Tech. And that was something that obviously with Murphy, he was, I think, a consensus top six guy for us at the beginning of the the season. And at the end of the summer, when we all did our regional studies and we're looking at him and say, man, like if Trayvon Walker goes one, like similar type build. Uh, you feel as though there might be a little bit more flexibility in his game. And I watched, I watched Miles Murphy this, from this season, and I came away feeling exactly the same as what I felt during the summer. What I felt during the summer was if Trayvon Walker can go number one, there's no reason why this guy shouldn't be a top six pick. And I do think he is a very similar athletic profile and, and build, but he has more flexibility then I think Trayvon Walker played with at Georgia. And Trayvon Walker's been a fine player for the Jaguars throughout the course of his rookie season. He hasn't had the kind of impact like Kayvon Thibodeau has had at times or as Aiden Hutchinson has had at times. But he's been a fine player, and he's, you expect he's going to be a really impactful pro. I think Murphy has a higher ceiling, and I think Murphy will be a better pass rusher when it's all said and done than Trayvon Walker. Now, what that means for his valuation in this class amongst these guys, I don't know. But it was nice to see a guy in the midst of doing uh, Rook and doing Brzee and doing KJ Henry 
and doing Trenton Simpson, all these guys at Clemson in the front and seeing what it looked like this year without Venables and being like, man, I really wish the 2021 stuff was there last year. Murphy was the one guy, I guess KJ Henry to some degree as well, but we didn't have the same lofty expectations for KJ Henry. Murphy was the guy for me that I'm like, it really didn't matter whether it was the Venables defense or not the Venables defense. And I think that speaks volumes to his projection and what I think he's capable of being and how I think teams are going to find pathways for him and going to like him. It's interesting because normally when they're the exact same player, you're a little bit discouraged, but it sounds like under those circumstances, more of the same for Miles Murphy is a good thing. And it validates kind of our kind of where we, we valued him coming out of the summer. And, you know, it sounds like he's going to stay at about the same, right? Yeah. He's, he's lived up to the expectations is probably yeah. the best way to put it. Yeah. Now, from a production standpoint, he had eight sacks, 14 and a half tackles for loss, uh, two forced fumbles in 2021. There's still very high rotation defense as far yeah. as, you know, getting a lot of bodies in. They'd have a lot of depth. This year he was six and a half sacks, 11 tackles for loss, and one forced fumble. So, yeah. like a slight dip in every, in every turn. Right. But, again, it's a high rotation defense. And like, he's still out there making a lot of impact plays. Like, if you, if you think that's a, a negative downturn in production, go look at what Trenton Simpson's production looked like from 2021 to 2022 as a guy in the same kind of defense. So Murphy sustaining through a very significant coaching change. Joe, if I'd asked you uh, this time last year, Brent Venables is a top blank defensive coordinator in college football. Oh, five, right? Three, right. maybe. And probably higher than five. Yeah, yeah. He's top five and not five. Right. So that change is a big deal. He'd been there forever. And the fact that Murphy was the same guy through that in the midst of a lot of other players around him not being the same guy has Murphy be the big winner for me in the Clemson front? Man, you got a lot of Clemson players to watch. You just went through that list. And you, didn't, you didn't even mention Tyler Davis, man. You, you're going to spend a lot of time yeah. with that defense this, this, uh, this yep. winter, I guess. All right, my check to tape, Kyle. Sean Tucker, running back from Syracuse. Mm. Um, I'm interested here because we haven't talked about him at all. Yeah. And we had opinions in the summertime. Yep. So let me yep. hear it. Let me hear it. So. Well, here's when we did talk about him. Uh, you weren't you weren't in our staff meeting on Thursday of last week, and so I did the wow. presentation there, and it was a, wow. it was a, it was a lot, right? Would you say so, Chris? It was a, we we spent a lot of time on Sean Tucker, and so I want to kind of give you what I gave them and and see where it lands, uh, from you. But I think with Sean Tucker, running back Syracuse, um, the historic season that he had last year, um put him on the radar obviously a, a very explosive player 5 10 maybe 205 pounds maybe a little bit more 210 maybe um track guy he's he's played track or ran, competed in track play, and played track I, don't you it's weird right every other sport you can say play right but track is the one that you can't or you play baseball you play basketball you compete in track like what is it you know um so so he's he's been a track guy throughout high school and college and also a football player um, and coming out of last year, I was really excited for him. We, we had a chance, uh, Damian Parson, and I talked to Dino Babers, the head coach of Syracuse uh, about Sean Tucker, uh, at ACC media day in Charlotte. And, you know, 
Dino couldn't say enough great things about Sean Tucker, whether it was complimenting the work ethic and how he's always in the building and, and, you know, trying to get better and improve and lifting and, you know, working on his body or um, just the, he said that during spring, he was just literally behind him on every single play. And he's like, man, I think Sean Tucker's going to be even better this year. So really set a high expectation for, for what Sean could be this year. And he had a productive season. I mean, over a thousand yards rushing, but Kyle, I come away with more concerns and more questions than mm. I was hoping for when it comes to Sean Tucker. I think the big question that I had coming out of my summer evaluation with Tucker was how much can he actually help a football team on passing downs? So the answer that we got in 2022 is certainly more volume, more opportunity when it comes to catching the football. Uh, his his receptions went up from he had uh, one second here. He had 18 catches in 2021. He had 37 in 2022, so a double in production. But we what we also saw with more opportunity was more inconsistency with his hands. He had a lot of drops, a lot of just not looking natural catching the football. And so you're like, okay, well, that's why he didn't have as much opportunity there in the past. The other area of his game on passing downs that was a concern was the pass pro, which was not good in 2021. And so as I'm studying the 2022 tape, I'm like, where are the pass pro reps? Well, they didn't use them in pass pro. Kyle is pass pro uh, went from being a pass blocker, 37% of Syracuse's uh, passing downs in 2021, all the way down to 8% in 2022. And so we still have questions about that. But I think where I became the most discouraged with Sean Tucker was just the way he was navigating his runs, right? There wasn't a whole lot of uh, convictions with the way he was hitting holes. You didn't see him really win and survive a lot of contact like you want him to. Now he's a competitive physical runner, but does he win through contact? That didn't happen as much uh, for, for Sean in 2022. And so you love the explosive big play ability that he's going to offer an offense, but I get a little bit concerned when I think to myself, okay, can this guy be not necessarily a lead back, but can he be a number two? Can he be a guy that, you know, can, can be a legit, you know, one B. And I came away from the evaluation thinking, I'm not sure he's not more of a backfield weapon more so than a traditional running back. Now I don't want to go like down the Kalen Bolage route here. I don't think he's that, but I think he's a little bit more Felix Jones. I think he's a little bit more Pierre strong, a guy out of a, what I can't remember which Dakota, South Dakota, State. South Dakota, South Dakota State. where it was the hey, Jackrabbits, baby, explosive production. Right. But you're just, it's the NFL didn't value him. Right. He, he wound up kind of falling to midday three. So with Sean Tucker, this is where I'm at. I kind of came away from the summer thinking, okay, rock solid day two back. Think he can be a starter, big play guy to, I have more questions, maybe an early day three and more of a backfield weapon than, a guy that I can really trust to be a, a focal point of my backfield. Okay. So you've opened up Pandora's box and yeah. I can't guarantee we're going to be able to put everything back in the box, sure. but we're going to try first things first. You mentioned South Dakota state. I have a take. Yep. And I promise we're going to be all Sean Tucker from here, but South that's, Dakota state, Chris Friday's show takes on takes is Friday's show. Not today's show. <laughs> I am going to become a die hard South Dakota state fan for 2023. The inspiration? They can't hurt me. Like I've been hurt. Jackrabbits. 
the world's biggest Jackrabbits fan, I will become it. I'm not going to insult all the Jackrabbits fans that are out there that are listening to this show right now. And there's obviously millions and millions of them, like the Rocks fans, because they are a powerhouse in FCS. But I am going to do the legwork. I am going to become the world's biggest South Dakota State Jackrabbits fan. You're kind of infringing on my territory here. That's it is my brand to go to it's the major. Not it's not mid major. It's it's a little close. It's a little too close for comfort for me that you're getting into the weeds I'm, on teams that are not appreciated enough, and you're trying to pick up the the baton and running with it. That's what I do. Well, maybe we could be birds of show. a feather and flock together. Nah, nah. Don't want to do it. Okay, so let's get back on track. But all I'm saying is I'm moving. I'm moving here in the next couple of weeks. Don't be surprised if there's a big Sandy or South Dakota State Jackrabbits fan, or paint the walls something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out where it goes. You mentioned the percentage of plays that Sean Tucker was in pass pro, right? Mm-hmm. Can you provide the numbers again for me <clears> one more time? Thirty-seven point four percent staying in the pass block, down to eight point four percent. Now, my question for that, and I don't know if you have this, but as I'm, I'm just trying to ask questions as somebody who has not done the film study. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- do you happen to know what percentage of passing downs he was being used in to release into routes last year versus that? Like, is it just because his snap share? they stopped asking him to pass pro and started asking him to release more into routes. Because if that's the case, then at least you could say, well, we wanted to know what he can do on passing downs. And they felt the value was there to implement him, even if there was inconsistencies with his hands. So I'm just trying to find where those numbers went. You know what I mean? He he was on the field for a, for more in terms of pure volume, passing downs <clears throat> by five this year. And he, so ran, he obviously was used more. Yeah, his, his much uptick more in running a routes is up about twenty five percent. Draft dudes do math. It's legit because it's it's sixty and eighty five. That's draft dudes do math. Nail, nailed it. Math, accurate math. That well time. done, Joe. Yeah. Um. Okay, so that answers my question. You said your concerns with how he was used in passing downs was his hands catching the football, correct? Yes. Okay, so that was a... um, But at least that explains where the pass pro went was they felt there was more value in getting him out in the routes. Was it a different quarterback this year? No, it was Schrader, same guy. Um, Same guys last year? Yeah, yeah. Um... My other question for you is how do you account for Syracuse had 238 rushing yards this year from skill players, not named Sean Tucker on the entire season. Mm-hmm. How does that, and uh, there was only other one other player, one other skill player, actually, let me amend that. There's one other skill player who exceeded 375 yards from scrimmage for Syracuse this season. So how does that, the other one being Aronde Gadsden, talented uh, son of Dolphins legend Aronde Gadsden the first, um, how, did, how did you try to, or did you try to account for the market share? Because I know that's, what is that, dominator rating that yeah, Ray Garvin sure. has talked to us about? Right. It's not really I don't expect different you- than last year, though, right? Like, it was the same story. 
except for like Aronde Gatson had significantly more yards this year than any other player last year. Um, but it's, it's still been very much Sean Tucker and nothing else. But I think Aronde Gatson gave them more of another player outside of Schrader running the ball. So I guess my question is just how did you, or did you at all try to account for that context when you were grading the player? I mean, a little bit. I I was mostly focused on how his process as a runner and a receiver and what the results of plays told me about his skill set and how it translates to the next level. I mean, that's, that's where I was focused and I just I don't I don't know that you're going to love the snap to snap consistency that comes with asking him to be a traditional running back. OK. No further questions. And I obviously know he he was up over a thousand yards this year, and I think he got what like 300 yards against Wagner. So, yeah. 20, yeah. Twenty five percent of Sean Tucker's yards this season came in one game against Wagner. Mm. But he did finish strong, though, didn't he? Thought he had a couple uh, nice games at the end of the year. Sean, he, yeah, I mean, he did. He had 100 yards against Wake in Boston College after he had 14 for 52 against Florida State, 10 for 19 against Pitt. Uh, you know, he just, that was more what he was this the year. The story he wasn't, of the season, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, it's funny, as you, Ray was on the, the call last Thursday, and Ray said, he said, he said, look, he said, all the metrics here are awesome. But even him, like he's like, man, the eyeball test just isn't there with Sean Tucker this past year. I hate that. Yeah, hate me that. too. I like Sean. He was that day two guy that I'm like, okay, this is that running back that I'm going to be pining for on day yeah. two. And now it's just like, man, I don't know, man. The, the conviction, the feel, it wasn't there. Now, where this is where I get hopeful with Sean Tucker is that <laughs> moving forward, he's not going to be participating in track, you know, playing track. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's I not really – you wonder about, you know, just – what that means for his off-season regiment, right? I'm sure from a body composition perspective, being a sprinter on a track team, you know, there's probably – that flies in the face of probably what he needs to be for a running back, right? So I'm excited to see, like, what it looks like where all of his effort is focused on football, but I just didn't come away as encouraged as I wanted to be after watching his tape this year. Okay. Good perspective. Shall we? Fight on, my men. I am hurt, but I am not slain. I'll lay me down and bleed a while, and then I'll rise and fight again. Atlanta Falcons, Indianapolis Colts, welcome to the Levy Grail. I hope everybody's very proud of me. <laughs> you're you're refrain. I, we, I, we are. I bit my tongue there. I actually had somebody who DM me with a non- draft dudes related football question and then said by the way i was one of the people who threw you under the bus to joe i apologize <laughs> <laughs> i heard from a few people as well but i wasn't gonna bring it up oh that that they continue to be annoyed with me no they were just thankful that i said something oh okay it's all good well look forward to next week's levy grill when <laughs> I... next week's tomorrow we got a third team to do tomorrow uh, oh good good call yeah, yeah. Brown, browns fans are like what about us tomorrow you're coming tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay, where do we want to start? Um, Falcons? Sure. Do you want to do the thing that yeah. I know you always like to do with, with these yeah. teams for the Levy Grail? Well, I mean, as a, as a fan of 
a team that went 17 years in a row without making the playoffs, I was always most excited about what I had in terms of draft picks and cap space. And so for the Atlanta Falcons, uh, they are in good shape in both departments. We'll start with cap space, $70 million. That's the second most in the NFL behind the Chicago Bears. So they are going to have all the money that they need to be aggressive and build up the talent on this roster. The other thing is draft capital. They're sitting good there. They got 10 of those, a one, two, three, two fours, a five, a six, and three sevens. So they're going to have some some ammunition both in free agency and when it comes to the draft uh, to really, really improve a roster that needs help. Uh, I think here's the, the first place that I want to go. I'm going to read some names out to everybody. Okay. Lorenzo Carter, Kayla McGarry, Olamide Zacchaeus, Isaiah Oliver, Rashawn Evans, Bradley Pinion, Keith Smith, Eric Harris, Demir Bird, Jermaine Effetti, Michael Ford, Anthony Fisker, Elijah Wilkinson, Vincent Taylor, Bo Brinkley, Cadero Hodge, Nick Kwiatkowski, Michael Pruitt, Jaleel Johnson, Colby Gossett, Matt Dickerson, Chuma Adoga, Jets legend Chuma Adoga, Abdullah Anderson, Liam McCullough, and Rashad Fenton. Anybody know who those names are? Uh, I know exactly what they are. That is the very undaunting list of expiring contracts on the Atlanta Falcons. Chris, I do apologize, but you are going to have to slap the expletive tag on today's show. If you lose any of those guys in free agency, do you give a shit? Uh, McGarry, I think, is the one that's played to a level that he's played well this year. Yeah. One guy. Right, yeah, it's not a not a big The deal. nucleus is here. Yeah. Now, the nucleus needs to get better, and you have to go out and you have to continue to allocate more talent, and that's what the objective of this offseason will be. Joe, you mentioned they have significant cap space. They have significant draft capital at their disposal. You can go ahead and re-sign Caleb McGarry for whatever you feel is appropriate um, and probably not lose sleep over it and then still have – ample ammunition to go out and add to this team as a team that in year three is probably going to have the intensity dialed up. They're probably going to be more aggressive this offseason than they have been because you know Arthur Smith is entering into year three. The pressure is going to be there to start to turn this thing around. And look, like Atlanta is a team that up until the midnight hour appeared as though they were going to be the team that acquired Deshaun Watson. So you know that getting dynamic quarterback plays on this team's radar. And I think that self-awareness is very encouraging. I don't think you've seen anything from Desmond Ritter that would prevent you from going out and getting established talent. And who knows what the quarterback market's going to look like this year. I can tell you there's probably going to be a couple names that are thrown out there as players who might be on the move at that position. And there's very little reason for Atlanta with their draft positioning and their draft capital and their salary cap space to feel as though they, they can't put a competitive offer together and make that move. If they deem that is the necessary move to make, if they're going to bank into continued evolution from Drake London and Kyle Pitts as talented pass catchers. And if you have those two guys as keys, what do we need? Do we want a running back uh, to, uh, are we going to trust Tyler Algier? And you probably would be within your reason to do that. If you try to do that, Cordell Patterson's under contract next season. But even if you say, well, we need to add a running back, guess what? You can get them on day three or late on day two, just about every year. Mm -hmm. 
So it's not going to be a stress for you to put together a good skill group. The offensive line's played as good as it has in years for Atlanta. I think there's a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of optimism here for the Falcons. Yeah, that's what I mean. I have literally written down stuff in place offensively. Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Tyler Algier, Cordell Patterson, Jake Matthews, Chris Lindstrom's a friggin' stud at right guard. Caleb McGarry has become a thing for them. So offensively, I mean, what do you need? Another receiver, maybe a guard and some running back depth? Of course, with the quarterback, right? But you have, you have, like you said, a, a, a situation where I think that Atlanta is going to be aggressive to do something at quarterback, whether that's in the draft or with an established veteran. So I think, I think that's that's all that's all in the cards. And defensively, Kyle, I know that this team has not been very good defensively. I promise you, it's not because. Dean Pease forgot how to coach defensive football. They just haven't had the talent. But there's been Is he young- okay, by the way? I, I don't personally. Know I haven't that. seen anything since that he had a collision and like had to get taken to the hospital before the game. Yeah, that you've peaked. You reminded me of that, but I, I don't remember what happened there. But I mean, they have Grady Jarrett. Arnold Ebiketti's had a good rookie, rookie season. Troy Anderson's kind of coming on later here as he gets more opportunity at linebacker. A.J. Terrell is not having a great season by any stretch of the imagination, but we know what he was last year. We know he's capable of playing high-level football. So you have some building blocks on defense. And so I think with those resources, you have a clear picture of what you need and the ability to go get it. Uh, and so I, I think from a roster perspective, we've had much more challenging conversations about other teams than what Atlanta has in terms of some young building blocks to to move forward with. Well, to piggyback off of that, by the way, Dean Pease uh, was back with the team by the end of that the day with that incident. Very so good. glad to hear Dean's doing well. Um, just look at the NFC South. Would you, moving forward, rather be the Atlanta Falcons or the New Orleans Saints? Oh, the Falcons. As far as flexibility and assets and ability to yeah. build from from your current status and, and what your current status is. Would you rather be right now the Atlanta Falcons or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Falcons. I agree. I think the only team in the division that makes it a compelling debate is the Panthers. Yep. And that's a good place to be. Right. 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 <laughs> so I look at the Falcons and their current situation and I say, well... In a vacuum, but then also amongst your primary competition with your divisional opponents, you're in a really good place. You're in a really good place. Yeah. And they're going to have the – they do they already have the longest tenured head coach in the division? They do. Already. And, and, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's only going to – you know, that lead's going to build, right? And – there's there's a lot to be said for having a lot of experience and time on task together as a coaching staff, so that way you can go back and reference the problems that you've had in the past and have that inventory of strategy, right, plays mm-hmm. and things at your disposal to pull out in critical moments that newer staffs just don't have that inventory at their disposal. And so I think <laughs> the division is wide open, and Atlanta is positioned quite well uh, to stake their claim as as the the team to that everyone has to deal with moving forward. Uh, Kyle, the last thing I had for the Falcons is just that the, the Calvin Ridley situation is behind you, right? I mean, like that was kind of a, a two year thing where you were wondering what you were going to get out of him, and that being no longer part of the equation, um, 
is a good thing, right? You don't have to think about the possibility of having Calvin Ridley. You don't have him. And I think that gives you good clarity um, in terms of what you actually have on your roster in terms of playmakers offensively. Good point. Anything else on the Atlanta Falcons? Uh, you also uh, broke back out your uh, amazing throwback uniforms this year. So that's a big step in the right direction. Big there. dub. Big dub. <laughs> yeah. All right. The Indianapolis Colts resources, they're okay. They got a one, a two, a three, four, five, six, and two sevenths. So nothing really bonus. Um, they got the extra uh, late round pick, but the eight total draft picks, $33 million in cap space, the 10th most in the NFL. So, um, they have a reasonable amount of stuff here to, to add to their roster. They're not devoid of resources to improve their talent. Uh, so I think about the Colts. I think this year's kind of a nasty little wake-up call, right? And you're going to change some stuff up. You're going to have a new head coach, and we're probably safe in assuming it's not going to be Jeff Saturday. Right. Um, but I think the the – the thing that came to a head for the Colts this year was the fact that we kept trying to have the same process and get different results, right? And I think we there's a glass ceiling that's invoked in that and the awareness that comes from how this season has unfolded for Indianapolis I think will be very helpful in them amending their strategy. Um, you still have the same puppet master at the end of the day and Chris Ballard, who we're presuming is going to remain in place and have an opportunity to amend some of those missteps. And I think that's a very powerful opportunity to not invoke change just for the sake of change, but the pressure in, in the same way that we talked about the pressure being on Arthur Smith and the Falcons to start winning in year three pressure is definitely going to be on Chris Ballard to find an answer at some of these premier positions that had been glossed over. And I think for the Colts, the fact that they have invested a lot and they have a a, a lot of of dollars and they have a lot of players in non-premier positions, and that's largely what a lot of their core is as a roster, I think that does give you a little bit more flexibility to say, okay, let's go out. We know what we need to do. We can be more aggressive and go get players at this premier positions and just understand we might not have the same volume that other teams do of bringing in players, but our nucleus is strong. That's just not necessarily at premier positions. So we need to go out and, and target specifically an offensive tackle and a quarterback and probably a wide receiver. And then you probably need, you know, if you're not going to, put all your eggs in the pass rusher basket for all the guys that you've drafted. And it would probably be smart to do that. And Yannick Ngakwe is an expiring contract for you. So go, tr- go try to find a pass rate. Like I don't feel like the laundry list is too long. No. Yeah. It's just important positions that you need to go find. Yeah. Talent wise, they're, they're not, they're not in a bad spot, man. They got Pittman and Alec Pierce, Shalani Woods, nice young weapon at tight end, John Taylor. I think Bernard Raymond has shown growth at left tackle this year. Q Nelson, obviously Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith defensively. I thought they've been pretty solid this year. Some nice building blocks and Isaiah Rogers, obviously DeForest Buckner. Quiddy and they've done a lot solid. of that without Shaquille Leonard being right. Shaq Leonard's going to come back for the majority of the season. Dale Adenyingbo has been a nice player for them this year. 
Fabio Carrique has been good. Gilmore's Gilmore. good. Yeah, so they've got a, they got some stuff here to, to work with that you have to feel good about uh your you know what's in place. You just you gotta get your head coach right, you gotta get your quarterback right, uh maybe another piece for your offensive line, another playmaker. It's not a daunting list of things that they need to get done this year. So I, I feel good about it. Um what they'll be able to get done with with their with their cap space and their their draft picks and you know you mentioned you mentioned that uh, they've kind of had to gone through this stretch of the same process expecting a different result and I think part of where I would take some comfort if I were a Colts fan was that your owner between what he did at the end of last year and then even into this year like maybe it's a little reckless but he's told us that he won't accept this anymore right and and so, I mean, Ursay's a powerful owner, right? So, I, I think that would you say he's an upper quartile of upper quartile owner? <laughs> I don't know how to to measure measure that, but uh, he's he's a powerful, not a math owner. guy. I, who put, who did that? Who do you think? Who's been doing it the entire time, Joe? <laughs> I don't know. I it's like one that was person. Slight, there is one slight culprit stretch. here. There is one culprit. There's one. Kyle's like, I, I won't talk over Joe anymore, power. but I'll just push buttons. <laughs> he said, I don't know how to calculate that. I had to use it. <laughs> like there's one person who has gotten unlimited power and now is being just evil about it. You think it's me? No, you know who it is. Come on. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> that was I talking about. Not accepting status quo, something like that. Yes. Yeah, I think yes. that there's that Jim Irsay is a powerful owner that's pissed off, right? <laughs> and, and so we'll see what that turns into here. Uh, but there's a decent nucleus. They have resources, and they they just got to get got to get this leadership right in terms of their coaching staff and quarterback. Can can I go a little galaxy brain for you? Yeah, I think so. So you have Nick Foles, Matt Ryan, and Sam Ellinger who have all taken snaps at quarterback this year, right? Yep. You have had the opportunity now to collect some tape on what the rest of your, and we would agree that the offensive side of the ball has been the primary problem side of the ball for the Colts. Yeah, a million percent. You have had a chance to evaluate your nucleus of players who are going to remain under contract and will be here next year against a varying degree of skills at the quarterback position that I think should help you more than the average team in evaluating what kind of quarterback you should be looking to go out and get. Yeah, that's fair. And that's pretty unique. So for the Colts perspective and Ballard, you know, making sure we're confirming, confirming our priors for what these players are and what they're not for your offensive depth chart that are going to be here. Joe, you said you got to get your you got to get your head coach right, and you got to get your quarterback right. Well, you have as much information for what kinds of strengths and weaknesses are available to the players on your roster offensively as any team in the league this year, and hopefully they use that to their advantage and make a decision that puts them in the best position to turn this around and, and have success sooner rather than later. Do you have any convictions or inspiration about the type of coach you think the Colts should be looking for? Coach? Yeah, the type of coach, right? Like, I think sometimes you can assess a situation and say a defensive-minded coach with uh, 
you know, with experience is what this team needs. Or if this is the, this is the type of team that would make sense to go after a hot shot young offensive mind. Like, is there is there a type of coach that you think makes sense for for Indy? I would really love this defensive personnel group with D'Amico Ryan's. Just thinking about the front, the linebacker ability. Oh, between what you, and Leonard, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you got you got to re-sign Okereke, he's an expiring contract, but even Zaire Franklin is the third backer, right? Right. Runs flashy, yeah. You think about those linebackers and and what San Francisco's been able to do with theirs. I think that's the candidate for me that I could get most excited about for keeping a strength a strength mm-hmm. and then hopefully getting into the coaching pipeline to get another Shanahan disciple out there, whoever that may be, be it from San Francisco or one of these other coaching staffs to run your offense. Yeah. I like that. I wonder if for D'Amico Ryan's who we, we've talked about already, like he's going to have options. It would appear what, you know, does he want to go to a situation where the offense is a bit more stable? You know what I, you, wouldn't you want, I would at least wonder. But well, that's a, that that's a whole other lens to look at all the teams through, right? Sure. And I think that's fascinating to sit down and and ask how do the resumes of the teams that are going to be hiring coaches stack up against one another? Well, that's why I understand why Broncos fans want him as their next head coach. I ain't taking that job. I ain't going to be the guy that's going to have to fix that offense. No, not me. I'll go someplace else. I'll, I'll I'll continue to be one of the best coordinators in the league if that's the only opportunity that I get. Right, and the challenge with the Broncos, right, is that it, it's it's not just that that position is filled, but you don't have a lot of flexibility with that position yeah. for the next couple of years. Right, and the Colts, it's you have the flexibility, you have the ability to pick <laughs> a direction, but do you want so- that type? Do you want to pick that direction? Is that you- the best spot for you? Is Denver going to be pigeonholed into like Daryl Bevel or something? No, they're going like- to you know, you know who they're going to be pinned into? A guy that they interviewed last year. They're going to have to be pinned into Dan Quinn. They're going to have to be pinned into yeah. a retread that's been there before that is willing to take a risk on a second job. Ben Johnson ain't going there. D'Amico Ryans ain't going there. Neither of the of the Eagles coordinators are going to go there. If you're any of those four names, I talked about this on Monday's TDN Daily Show. If you're any of those four guys, are you going to risk the nice, comfortable jobs that you have to go to Denver? No, it's not going to happen. You're not going to yeah, do that. I'd, that. I'd rather stay. You're right. I'd rather you're stay. Right. It's the Dan Quinn. It's the, the Leslie Frazier it's that type I've of heard, guy. I've already heard Quinn attached to that job. So I would not be surprised if it is Quinn. It's why people want to throw Sean Payton's name out there. Because he has a le- he has a career. He's already got a legacy. He doesn't need to make the second job be fantastic. Like, if you are a Ben Johnson, if you're any of these other guys, this is the first opportunity. And yes, right. I know there's only 32 of them. Yeah. But is that the one you want to yeah. take the Here's leap of faith I, on? This is what I'll say. And I'm not just going to do, oh, there's only 32 of them, right? That's always the talking point. Ten years ago, the Denver Broncos were one of the, the most prestigious franchises out there, right? Like, just success after success after success. You would love to be attached to an organization like that. Missteps at quarterback has changed it. I know there's new ownership, so there's some new dynamics there, but, like, this is one of the storied franchises in our league. But they also have new ownership and under are under new management. Yeah. 
let me ask you this. Tough if you're a, too, man. If you're a head if you're a head coach, how receptive are you to cutting Russell Wilson after June first? Is it is it more palatable if you do it? I mean, you split it over. It's it's one hundred and seven million dollars either way, but it's across two seasons instead of one. I would want to do it as quickly as if we're going to do it. I want to do, do it, it as quickly as possible. I don't know you how can, we got down the Broncos rabbit hole here, but I'm enjoying this. You, if you cut him after June first, it's thirty nine million dollars in dead cap in 2023, and then it's sixty eight million dollars in dead cap in 2024. Like, is that palatable, or do you run him back next year and say, okay, we'll cut him after June 1st in 2024 after next season one and done, where it's a $35 million dead cap hit and then a $49.6 million dead cap hit in 2025? Has a team – I'm going to ask a question I don't know the answer to, so my apologies in advance. Has a team ever cut a guy – with that kind of dead money associated no. to it, or it, so this would be this would no. be an unprecedented thing that we have never seen in the history of the National Football. It was like Wentz and Goff were the two biggest dead cap hits in the history of the NFL, and they were around like thirty million. Well, and Goff Man, and Goff was a trade in which they got another quarterback back in the deal, right. so you could understand why it was a little bit more palatable because you were fixing the problem. Right. If Aaron Rodgers, that we we could have another one there. Whatever happens there, that could be nuts. If he gets traded. It's future retire, Jets quarterback, Aaron whatever Rogers, happens here, yeah, it's going to be absolutely insane. <sighs> Rogers, can I bring up an unpopular talking point on this Russell Wilson stuff? Sure, since we're here, go yeah, ahead. go for it. Are we sure twenty twenty two is who Russell Wilson is? Because the guy had one hell of a career previously. There's a reason he was brought there and give up. They gave up what they did. Are we sure this is it? No, Joe, it's a great point. It, it, the, the issues that, the, that played the Denver Broncos go beyond Russell Wilson. The play calling was not very good either. They also had injuries to a lot of different players that impacted what they are doing, and their offensive line was in shambles. You can paint a nice rosy picture of, oh, I can be the guy that can fix Russell Wilson. I can be the guy. We get a good play caller in here. We fix this. We get us going in the right direction. We, we, we're going to get back on track. I can paint the picture to where you can marginally be better by just fixing the play calling and just being healthy next year, and that could help. But, boy, is that a huge risk if you are a first-time head coaching candidate that, you, that you're well, going to attach yourself to that. And I would say this. I, I would say the play is the less troublesome layer of what's going on with Russell Wilson. It's the fact that his teammates all seem to genuinely yeah, yeah. dislike him already. You have yeah, to fix an entire locker room culture. And yeah. that's a very tough thing to do when you can't you can't take out potentially the root cause of the culture yeah. issue. Well, in, in in Seattle, that was Russ Wilson's football team. You came in, you you got in line. And then But even that was what broke up the band in Seattle. Sure, but it worked for a while. And you could talk about the defense in Marshawn Lynch and I'm yep. sorry. Nathaniel yeah. Hackett wasn't Pete Carroll, right? Pete Carroll had an ability right, to kind enough. of be able to navigate it properly. Right. Well, it's not it's not Broncos Day here. So, what about so Frank we, Reich? What about Frank Reich for Denver? Is Frank going to take the sabbatical year? You might. If I Frank Reich, I, I I'm not sure. I still don't understand why he was fired as head coach of the Colts, but that's okay. If I'm Frank Reich, I want to have the same mentality as what the first time head coaches have that Chris has talked about. 
I'm going to be super selective. I'm going to do what Doug Peters, I would rather do what Doug Peterson did and take a sabbatical year and then say, oh, you want me to come back and work with the number one overall pick and a perceived generational quarterback in Trevor Lawrence? Sure. Okay. Instead of just jumping at a job. Because I think Frank got the short end of the stick in Indianapolis, and I know you do too. Yeah. So I I would I would want to make sure that there are as few questions with the critical components of the team that leave very little wiggle room for it to get turned around and pinned back on me when it's all said and done. All right. All right. It's going to do it for us here on Draft Dudes, Kyle Krabs, Joe Mario, Chris Schubert. Thanks for friends over at Bet Online for their continued support of the show. We hope you guys make it a great rest of your day today on Wednesday. We'll be back again tomorrow. We've got a couple more shows this week, so you're going to want to make sure you don't miss them. So hit subscribe on the show and follow along Monday through Friday here with us here on Draft Dudes. Thanks for being here for another episode of the Draft Dudes podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you are at it, help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.